Habits and Health, episode 40. Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to another edition of the podcast where we talk about habits and we talk about health. Today, my guest is Dr. Patrick K. Porter, PhD. Um, he's an award-winning author, speaker, and a founder of something called BrainTap, which is a technology-enhanced meditation app. And he pioneered the use of something called brainwave entrainment, which improves clarity, sleep, and energy. And it remains at the forefront of scientific research. And he founded BrainTap really with the goal of making this technology accessible to everyone. It offers over a thousand original audio sessions in, in, I think it's 12 different languages, and it's global. And it's, people are using it all over the world. And it comes with a mobile app and is also a headset. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, in People magazine, Entrepreneur, ABC, NBC, CBS, and many others. And we're going to find out a lot more about Dr. Porter in today's episode. And if you know anyone who you feel will get some real value from it, please do share the episode with them. Habits and Health, my guest today, Patrick Porter. How are you, Patrick? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that you're here. And we are in North Carolina today. Yep, I'm near the coast. Beautiful weather here. And are you a United from there? No, I'm originally from uh, Battle Creek, Michigan, and by way of uh, San Francisco <laughs> to here. I've lived I've lived in quite a few places. I used to have a franchise company, and before I took over ownership of it, I was the guy that would travel around the country opening up clinics. So um, it was almost like a uh, military brat. My my kids grew up all over the place, but we settled for 12 years in Virginia Beach, Virginia. We liked it, and when I moved to the Bay Area. I like the East Coast so much. We moved back to this area, but but down a little bit to a smaller town, right? And you're in. I mean, today we're going to explore binaural beats. It's something on this podcast. I've mentioned it a couple of times in in previous episodes, but we've never really gone into it as deep as I believe we're going to today. Because you have a company um, for binaural beats, uh, BrainTap, don't you? Yep. Yeah. BrainTap, we've been using actually since the 80s, we've been using binaural beats in our devices. When I was with a company called Light and Sound Research, we we used to um, license the Monroe Institutes, which I think they're the they have a really good program. They just don't have the light portion that I wanted because we we've kind of transformed what we do with sound. Also, we do the same thing with light using the optic nerve to kind of create the same environment as a binaural beat. But we do it with the visual field. But for anyone listening who's maybe has no idea what we're talking about when we when we say binaural bits, can you explain what it is? Well, the way that our brain processes auditory information is very different than what we might think when we just look at somebody because we're actually taking in 25,000 pieces of information every second. And our brain really is more of a filtering system. Uh, so, for instance, if you and I were at breakfast at a restaurant and somebody, if you tables away said binaural beats, our ears would perk up. We wouldn't hear the rest of the conversation, but we'd hear that. Well, that that part of the brain that heard that message is called the reticular activating system or the default mode network. And so when we get stressed out or we're just going through our day-to-day life, we go unconscious at least 25% of the time. So we're, we're letting the unconscious kind of take over what's happening. And if we present certain information in the form of pulses, these, these pulses, it, let's say that we put a 200 hertz frequency in one ear, 
a 210 hertz frequency in the other, even at an audible uh, variable that's below our conscious hearing, up to about 20 decibels below what we hear, our brain or the cortical responses in our brain will actually respond to that, meaning that it will alert us that there's something going on. It's kind of like when we're watching TV and we feel somebody walk up behind us. We don't really see them, but we're, we just have that feeling or like somebody's watching us. Our brain is always interpreting that. Now, what we might think is that we would hear both 200 and 210 hertz frequency, but our brain hears a phantom sound, which is 10 hertz frequency. And it basically takes and cancels out any of the information that is similar. And we're only interested in what's the difference. And that's, that's true with almost all of our senses. So with hearing, what we found out was if we can change our state, because everything in the universe is vibrating, teeming with energy and frequency. And so <clears throat> our brain actually matches that frequency. Our brain can match frequencies from 0 0.05 uh, to up to 100. In fact, they've got some gurus that they've had even have what they call epsilon up to 400 cycles per second. Uh, but most most people are running around between 0 0.05 and maybe 40 hertz frequency, 45 hertz frequency, high gamma. In uh, nature does this normally. So when we're around environments that are peaceful, our brain interprets this information kind of like they call it forest bathing when you're walking in Japan or things like that. And our brain is processing it. And we get this, uh, we call it binaural. The reason we need to use earphones is we want to isolate all the other sounds out and basically put our full attention on just those frequencies. So when you use a binaural beat in an open room, it doesn't have the same effect. Uh, there's another frequency we use called isochronic tones to do that. Our planet, it's kind of just a way that they found out how our brain can synchronize. As we, as we uh, age, unfortunately, our brain has a tendency to dysregulate, uh, especially during times of stress. So you can tell what's going on here in the last couple of years. But it was happening before that. We were, we were under assault with our stress response because of so much information, so much going on. And I mean, there's, there's so many questions going through my head after what you've just said. So I'm going to start with: um, Do you need any sort of special type of headphone or, or appliance to to listen to this? You don't need special earphones uh, nowadays. Almost every headphone that's produced is of a good quality. Back in back when we first started in the '80s, we had to buy special headphones. Uh, because of the uh, response rate, they call it. So if you're nowadays, even the, some of the really cheaper headphones, you can still get the same response. Now, the better the headphone, the better the response, because you're going to get a crisper, clearer sound, and the brain doesn't have to process or screen out all the information. If, if there's a lot of interference, uh, you know, it's going to cause irritation and stress. So the cleaner you can be, the better. Um, and there's many, from what I understand, I mean, I'm by no means an expert on this, but from what I understand is this can be used uh, in many different ways to help people. Can you explain maybe some of the ways it might help someone? Well, what they found out was because these binaural beats actually attract different electrical, there's two different ways we measure the body. There's a lot more than that, but the two we're talking about now within the brain, we can measure it through heart rate variability, which is a magnetic measurement, mm -hmm. or through EEG, which is electrical. So once we found, once we started realizing that when people meditate or relax or pray or, you know, calm down, we noticed that the brain goes into a state of alpha and perhaps even theta. Well, then the scientists, uh, even before I got involved with this, they started realizing that they could use this to stimulate the brain into those harmonic states, 
um, when you get it, when you get outside of alpha, your brain starts to dysregulate because we, we trigger a part of our system, which is the fight or flight response or what is called the sympathetic nervous system. And the more that happens, it used to be like back in the caveman days, let's say we might have that experience five to six times a week. You know, we'd, we'd come across a tiger or we'd come across something life threatening, or maybe we couldn't find food that day. Something caused us to stress out. But today, with all the digital uh, things going on, our TVs, our cell phones, our computers, uh, just our lifestyles in general, uh, they say that we might have five or six of those events before breakfast because we might get a text from a, a coworker or a boss and that triggers it. We might not have milk for our cereal, whatever's going on, all those things happening. And then people actually will turn on the news, which is probably the number one worst thing you can do for your nervous system because our news is basically all negative information. And if you really, if you turn off the sound, you'll notice you don't have the same experience with the news because mm-hmm. they actually make it in, on purpose confusing and they put background noise in there that is irritating they want to upset and get you to take action or or basically to stay tuned in because it's like watching a car accident on the highway people will slow down to watch that car accident you know unfortunately and that's what the news is doing it's all been i mean they use a lot of special effects to get people to tune in from from not only the flashy look and what it's doing, but also the sounds in the background. So, you know, we, when, when we, when we're talking about sound and frequency, we really want to start tuning into the more healthy sounds and frequencies and our, and what the scientists found out was we could use this to trigger the brain into very specific states. Um, you know, we could, we can dial in, I mean, we've done gamma studies even, which is a high, very high brain frequency and uh, we actually have people having a psilocybin experiences, um, which means uh, that they're they're basically getting hallucinations or whatever's going on in a spiritual sense, because in high gamma and high theta, you're actually triggering a neurotransmitter called GABA, which is a precursor to DMT. And a lot of people might read about DMT and think it's something you take or lick on a frog's back and all this kind of stuff. But the only reason that works is we create our own DMT, our brain creates it. And I, I really like to tell people, you have the world's greatest pharmacy between your ears. You just have to know how to trigger it. And so isochronic tones are one of the best ways to trigger the brain frequency. Then the brain instructs the gut because the gut is actually an independent brain. That's why when somebody gets uh, an injury, like a skiing accident, and they become paraplegic, they can still digest food. They can still do all of those things, even though they can't move their arms and legs. It's because the stomach basically has its own brain. But the brain between our ears is instructing it on how to create these neurotransmitters. And if you, the, or I should say 97% are made in the gut, there's like emergency reserves in the brain. But if we relied on those, we would have no neuroactivity because it just doesn't, it's not set up to do that. So that's the main thing, I think. And, and they found out that, hey, sound can only take you so far. Uh, we're, we're immersive creatures, right? That's why virtual reality is becoming so popular today because really our reality is based on our sensation or our ability to take the input from the world around us and process it through our brain and we can trick the brain. So with binaural beats, we're basically setting up a frequency response like we might have in nature, but we're not in nature. We're sitting in a, a relaxing, uh, lazy boy or, or on our bed or sitting on the floor or whatever we're doing in the, but the brain starts to believe or create the same frequency field as if you're, let's say by 
by a body of water, that's 10 hertz frequency. When you sit by a body of water and you relax, your body is actually matching the frequency of that body of water. If you're walking through a forest, it's matching the frequency, you know, around 7.8 hertz frequency or the Schumann frequency because that's the frequency of a forest. So we have all these different options and mountaintops and things like that. And we know that out in nature, we, we are healthier than we are when we're inside buildings and uh, around electric smog and things like that that are going on. So is it best, I mean, so from what I gather from what you're saying, and also from what I know from, I've dabbled with various um, binaural beats over the last few years. So you use different types of frequencies depending on what it is you want to achieve. Maybe if you want to learn something or you want to be in a meditative state or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So if you want to learn something, there's actually a brainwave called SMR, sensory motor rhythm. And as we get better looking, more intelligent with age, that's the one that atrophies. You know, so when you're wondering why grandma and grandpa can't walk straight anymore, they need a cane and they're doing it, it, it does have a little bit to do with their muscles, but the muscles are controlled by the brain. And so we know now that it's, it's, it's a brainwave called SMR. We've even done studies with balance plates to show that it's not exercise that causes balance, but it's the brain and, and how the brain stem and our body positions ourselves in space and time. So we can, we can mimic any of those brain states. And then in return, there's a chemical corresponding reaction in the body. That chemical corresponding reaction is what we feel. And that becomes the reality that we're experiencing at that moment. So if we want to feel joy or love or peace, there's actually a frequency that matches that. Now, sophigio frequencies are probably the most studied. And you can, you can create a sophigio frequency as a binaural beat because basically what you're doing is you're going to put them out of phase with each other. And whatever the difference is, remember, that difference becomes a phantom. That's the phantom sound that the brain will hear. So that's why if, if people in our creation, we ask people to use uh, earphones, because if you listen in an open room, it can sound a little weird because it's off just a little bit. And in space has a lot to do with sound. I mean, if you've ever been to a track meet and they, the gun starts the, the race, they know that you have to start the timer at the, at the smoke, not the sound, because it takes a while for the sound to move through the air which is actually causing that noise. So the same thing is true even with uh, a room, the room size. Our brain processes information. In fact, it renders most information. This is one of the side benefits of our great, our great brain is that it's actually making all this stuff up because we can't, we can't live in the real world in real time. It's, it's too much information. So our brain is constantly predicting it's impossible, in other words, for you not to be a little bit prejudiced because all of your background, all the books you've read, the people you've communicated with, mom, dad, brothers, teachers, preachers, all of those people have went into building your, let's say, your ability to forecast what's going to be happening. And if you give the what will happen eventually is once you learn to use these binaural beats, the brain will learn the sequence and it's a trainer. It trains the brain. So now when you get out of sync, you now have a sensation or a feeling that tells you, hey, I can get back into sync and retrain the brain to get back into that balanced state. So when you say it trains the brain, so say we've got two people. No, so someone starts to learn it now. They've never used binaural beats before. They sit down today and they start using it for the first time. 
And then in, say, five years' time, and they've been doing this on a regular basis, what's going to be the difference, maybe, between those two studies? Well, I'll tell you about a study we just did that's now being moved to Brazil. Uh, a Brazilian college is doing 150 student process on a, after our pilot study. We took a piece of music, which is very beautiful, relaxing music, and uh, we did this study. We took It's a 45-minute uh, intake in, in the research, and we took people that never meditated. And what we did was we hooked them up to EEG, we hooked them up to heart rate variability, and we did a baseline for five minutes. We then played a piece of music, and as expected, their body down-regulated, they relaxed, they got into a more alpha state. At the end of that piece of music, their brain literally went right back to the stress state it was before. So during the music playing, yeah, it worked really well. They call this the Mozart effect. It happens all the time. It's a 10-cycle music, and that's the best alpha state is one of the best states to learn in. Now we took that same piece of music during that's after a five minute washout. So they're just sitting there breathing, whatever they're doing. And then we played that same piece of music, but we put our neural algorithm in the background during that neural during that session, they again went into that deep state of alpha, just like was designed to do. But at the end of that session, it took almost 72 hours for the brain to go back to its what would be called its normal stress state. Now, we measured it that day, we measured it the next day, we measured it the third day, and then it finally went back. So you're talking about, that's why we call it brain fitness. You're actually, it's a way to educate. Uh, in science right now, there's a term called neuroplasticity. Hmm. And neuroplasticity represents the energy in our brain to create neurons and, and their pathways. So the more energy, the more pathways, the better the brain, you know, so the, we can actually correlate that to dementia or Alzheimer's and things of that nature as the brain shutting down almost like, um, you know, basically it doesn't have enough energy or ATP in the brain to formulate the energy to produce the neuroactivity. So what we know is when you're using binaural beats and things of that nature, you're literally exercising the brain and its ability to create energy. And to put it into perspective for the listeners, almost everybody I've ever talked to have been had this experience. They were asked to go to a party. They really didn't want to go there. But when they got there, they met their friends. They're talking. They start playing music that they enjoy. They start tapping their toes, bopping around. Pretty soon they're smiling and dancing. And their friend goes, hey, hey, I didn't think you wanted to be at the party. <laughs> and they said, oh, I don't know. That's because our bodies are designed to bring in light, sound, and vibration and convert it to energy. Everyone thinks we get energy from food. That's that's almost like the last source. We get most of our energy from light and sound and vibration because just like a plant, you know, the plant gets their energy from the sun. We are photaic beings, but we also, because you know, we're, we're more intelligent, obviously, than a plant. So we also get it through sound. So we take that sound, which is energy, right? The reason we have that is it's those sound waves are hitting against our cellular wall and creating and exercising the cells. And if it's a safe environment, then the or a good frequency, the cell will accept that energy. If it isn't, then the cell goes into what's called a cell danger response and rejects that energy. Now, if something like G5 attacks those cells, sometimes it can overpower our own cells. Every cell is like a little brain. And it, that's why we have to be very careful or get back to balance or ground ourselves to get rid of that extra energy. Because we're, we're, 
even with where we're talking right now, we're standing in front of computers, right? We're absorbing that energy. Now, if we're properly grounded, like I am, I'm, I'm standing on a grounding mat. So that means that it's like I'm outside. It's grounding all that extra energy out into the earth. Our body is very good. It's just like uh, taking too many good vitamins. The body is just going to eliminate them. The same thing's true with light, sound, and vibration. We, we, it's not going to overproduce the energy. It's only going to produce the energy that we need, and it's going to pass on the energy to the other cells that it doesn't need. So the more neuroplasticity you have or more energy in the brain, the better it's going to work for you. So you can kind of complete, kind of make that kind of jump to almost like a computer, the faster processing power, the more energy. You know, you just made me think that if a, if when people go out in the evening, they go to a, to a nightclub or to a concert or something. And it's made me think that the DJ, rather than simply playing music, they should also be playing some vinyl beats in the background to give people an even better experience. And we're, we're doing that. We're, we have some uh, we have some projects going where we're doing that for um, different virtual reality games. We're putting the binaural beats and the isochronic tones in the background to um, because it, you don't have to know that it's there for it to affect our physiology. Right. Um, could you imagine? They do this with music all the time in Hollywood, right? You, I couldn't imagine watching some of my favorite movies without a soundtrack. So think of these frequencies as a underlying soundtrack to the soundtrack. Right. We're actually setting the terrain so that now the brain is more uh, more acceptable to what's going on and able to interpret the information a little bit better and clearer. Wow, that sounds amazing! And so, how where how fast do you think this is going to? Like I so said, those those studies that you were talking about in how many years time do you think that might be more normal? Say, well. I am surprised right now at how many people are coming out of the woodwork, really, to incorporate these kind of frequencies into almost everything you're seeing. I mean, it's in more things than you think. Like, we, we've we always shared Solfigio frequencies in our devices, but we never share that piece of information because saying that to people, most people out there are going to go, <clears throat> what's a Solfigio frequency? I don't know. But now... Almost every science conference that I go to, people know about Sofigio frequencies, they know about Noje frequencies, they know about Rife frequencies. This is becoming what we call uh, 2020 and beyond is the age of brain fitness. And people are starting to know, <clears throat> you know, if we go back in time to the 1800s when Dr. Kellogg started his first like medical uh, health organization where you would... Uh, basically check into his hospital and get well by eating healthy, doing different things. Almost everybody knows you need that. In the 70s, when I was in school, we didn't have a workout room. Basically, you did push-ups and set-ups and pull-ups. And now everybody knows about physical fitness. Mm -hmm. So we call that phase two. Phase three is actually brain fitness. And I think what's going to happen within this 10-year period is everybody will know what alpha, theta, beta, gamma SMR. They'll know these brain frequencies. They'll know acetylcholine. They'll know GABA. Uh, it'll just be a matter of conversation because most people, before, even before 2000, nobody believed we could change our brain. Even the smartest people on earth thought the brain was fixed. Even though there are people out there using binaural beats, isochronic tones, all these things, and, and moving the brain's frequencies they just thought, okay, well, you can move it, but you're not, you can't really change it. You can't exercise the brain. But we just, we just finished a study in Florida that is now at Seminole College. We're doing it with 45 people now. 
And we took older, these were 55, 65 year old women that were diagnosed with dementia. And in our pilot study, we got a 49% neuroplastic change in six weeks. That blew away people. Even, even our, um, we, we're actually do a lot of work with Duke University here in, in North Carolina, and they were blown away. We also showed a 58% reorganization score, which is the biggest thing for the aging brain. We all know that as we age, we have family members and things that they get upset and angry in the morning. They're still upset and angry in the evening. That's because their brain isn't able to regulate back to its normal state because the they don't have the neuroplasticity for it. it basically, the stress causes it. I think when that study comes out, because there's a lot of people trying to do this with external sources like drugs, that's never going to work. There, You can't have a pill without a skill. You know, when, when they're, they're thinking they can just give you a pill and magically it's going to happen. That never happens. It never works. In fact, uh, you know, like the placebo effect is greater right now. It's 40%, which means all of these SSRIs that people are taking, I can tell you right now, 99% of them are not doing anything for that person other than keeping them addicted to that SSRI because the brain can do it all. The brain can regulate those neurotransmitters much better than taking a pill. And if you never, if you never build the skill around it, you're going to be addicted to that pill for the rest of your life. And all it's going to do is mitigate or make you a little more comfortable instead of really exercising the brain, you know, in the same thing with the body, you know, when, when you get the body and the brain, uh, this mind body connection working for you, it synergizes, it basically deploys your own healing in, uh, insights in the body. Our body is designed to self heal, self repair, but we have to get rid of all this interference, the fear, the stress, the bad foods, bad environment, all of those things, a lot more than we have time to go into here. But, you know, I think that people are going to, in schools right now, we have a school in India. It's called the Creative School. Every classroom has a brain tap. They play the isochronic tones in the background, in the binaural beats all day long in their schools, but they have to change it. The thing that most people don't understand is, the brain doesn't want to hear the same frequency for more than three to five seconds. If it does, it kind of treats it like wallpaper. You know, it goes, oh, I, I've heard that. I, that's not a danger anymore because the brain is always, even though we don't have to worry about saber-toothed tigers anymore, <laughs> our nervous system really hasn't changed since being, you know, waking up in caves and walking outside and, you know, being part of the food chain. You know, so we have to, we have to adopt it. Our thinking has changed, but our physiology hasn't changed. So we still have that limbic response that uh, the amygdala that is basically being hijacked by fear, stress, and frustration. And that's what we have to control to really reach those higher states of consciousness that are going to help resolve the conflicts that people have in their lives. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you are looking for deep support to create the health and life you want, we invite you to consider one-on-one coaching sessions with Tony. Coaching sessions give you personalised guidance to fit your unique goals and life situation. Only a limited number of spots are available, but you can easily get started by booking a free introductory call at tonywinyard.com. Now back to the show. How much difference does it make um, to the duration you use this each day. So if one person's using it for, say, 10 minutes and someone else is using it for an hour, an hour and a half, how much difference would it make? I think that some people could do it in that 10 minutes might be enough to keep them their brain uh, regulated for a 24-hour period. But everyone's nervous system 
is going to try to change every 72 hours, which means every minute, whatever happened 72 hours ago, your body continuously adjusts. So what you want to do is different activities like breathing exercises. We just had two published studies where we used uh, Kriya breathing and uh, binaural beats and isochronic tones to trigger the uh, alpha frequencies in the frontal lobe. And this is really important for dementia. And the two studies were published by PubMed here. So we showed that you, you can do it through breathing and this brain training and really affect it because your nostrils actually control which hemisphere is being triggered. You know, the, and the yogis knew this. So, so how did they know this 5,000 years ago? You know, and it's written about in the Vedas. So what we're finding is that what we, we think is new science is actually an ancient tradition. Uh, you know, they all of these things that we're talking about were done before by usually the shaman of the tribe or the medicine man or someone was controlling these frequencies because it would happen. Uh, they've done the like some people do musical bowls. You, you know, a lot of people know about those. Well, you can use those to create uh, binaural beats because when you take two bowls of different sizes, the brain actually hears the difference between those two bowls, mm. not either bowl. So it's using the same principles. Uh, in that's how a, that's how a symphony works. You know, when you're sitting in a symphony, all of those. So this, these are things that what they're finding in science today is that we can actually begin to just laser in and help people. And we also know that when the brain is experiencing these things, it creates the one study that we have going right now that I think is going to revolutionize what we're doing. And it's in Brazil. The Brazilian government actually is spending its own money, $250,000, to prove out that brain tap is a digital drug. Because we, we have shown them that we can upregulate 54 different neurotransmitters and downregulate stress hormones. And we have one group that's just doing the sound. And we're finding that uh, in one group, of course, using the full light and sound system. But what we're finding is if they're willing to commit to the sound, and they're doing usually it's about twice as much. So let's say somebody's with our full headset can do it once a day, where if you're using sound alone, you do it twice a day. Within six weeks, you're reaching the same place because you can only improve so much. So that way people, it's just the, the light gives more energy at the time, but the sound is going to, eventually it's going to do the same thing if you're consistent enough. And everything is about consistency and practice. You know, uh, if you think you're going to use a binaural beat one time and get some kind of epiphany and, you know, see see God or whatever, that's not going to happen uh, unless you just happen to be lucky. Everything else in your life was lined up for that to happen. Typically what happens is uh, if you're listening, depending upon the frequencies you're listening to, you're going to have a response and it's going to be short lived. It's going to last for a day or two. And then you've got to re up it. It's like, I tell people it's like brushing your teeth. If you want to keep your teeth nice and white, then you're going to brush them every day. If you want to keep your brain nice and bright, you're going to use some form of, um, some something that's going to trigger or stimulate. And I don't know of anything better than binaural beats and isochronic tones to do that. I mean, you can put the music in there and music, just like I said, and, and we proved that out because we had a lot of people telling us, oh, it's not the binaural beats. It's not the isochronic tones. It's just the music. Music does this. There's so much, and there are people out there that become almost fanatical about their beliefs and what they've created. I've been very fortunate over the years since the 80s that I don't believe anything I have is final. We're going to, somebody's going to create something tomorrow 
that might just displace everything I've known. You know, they're going to create it. And, and I want to be part of that. I want to find out what that is because my main goal is to improve the human condition. You know, if I know if I help you, you're going to help me because there is something to this. Uh, they call it a Gaussian field that we live in, but also there's a uh, morphogenetic field that uh, we live in. When we walk into a room, they've proven that we we share light, you know, and, and I only have to go as far as my science officer. My science officer de- developed some clothing that Tom Brady, who is a very famous football player here in the United States, he, he sells, it's called TB12. He sells this clothing. Now, he doesn't go into detail of what it does, but what it does is he created ceramics that actually reflect back our own body's infrared light to heal us. Now, why are they doing that? Because we know infrared light heals the body, but every person on earth transmits infrared light. So we're, we're, far, we're far more than what mom and dad told us about and we learned in school. We actually, as we grow and develop as an individual, I'm actually sharing that light with every person I'm around. And guess what? That creates an even stronger light in paradigm. And, you know, there's a reason that in, even in the Bible, they say, you know, the, the, he made the sound and light, you know, it's very, it's like the first thing that is spoken about. So we live in a, we live in a world of, you know, the, the mystics would say we live in a world of mirrors, you know, that this isn't all real. This is, uh, this is Maya, but really it's a play of light and sound. It's a, it's a dance and depending upon how our brain brings that in through our senses, and to put it in perspective, a listener only needs to think about the last time they were in their kitchen and they said, hey, where's the salt shaker? And the person, the, you know, the, their spouse or whatever is in the other room saying, it's right there. It's right on, right near the stove. No, it isn't. I'm looking right at it. And then they walk out and there it is. And the person goes, it wasn't there a minute ago. You know, it was because they didn't render it. We, like I said in the very beginning, we make up most of what's happening to us. So what happens when we slow it down? Like when we're using these uh, binaural beats and ice chronic tones to slow down our brain frequency, we slow down the cadence of information into our brain. Now we can start sorting it out, organizing it, making sense of it all. And that's why uh, it's so important to take time out during the day to slow everything down, to really register your breathing and you know they might know some simple ways but one of the ways i teach people is when you breathe in one of the simplest exercises for breathing is to breathe into the melancholy four breathe out to the melancholy eight because as you breathe in you're actually triggering your sympathetic system or that fight or flight but when you breathe out you're triggering that parasympathetic response now if you do that at the same time you're listening to the music or the sounds of binaural beats and ice chronic tones that are that are moving it's it's more of a fluid state it's not like i listen to 10 hertz frequency today i'm going to guarantee you if you do that three times your brain's not going to go to 10 hertz frequency the next time it's going to think it, but if you had that 10 hertz frequency in every 3 to 5 seconds it's changing just a little bit and moves between, let's say, 10 and 12 hertz, and then uh, 12 hertz and 8 hertz, and keeps moving back and forth, the brain will always move to that middle line, that 10 hertz. But it's always exercising. It's always moving because it's guessing. What are they doing? How's it? The brain is is very intelligent. And so that's, that's the key. And I think that we're going to see that more and more. Uh, I mean, just like people like yourself sharing this on online, people are going to learn about it. And I mean, last year... Uh, I did probably, I think it was last week, kind of was 230 interviews. 
So uh, in some of them were for mainstream media, some were for podcasts, some were for our own uh, webinars. But I think the more people like yourself and myself get out there and share that there's there's more to healing than taking a pill. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're obsessed in in our world that we think that the medical community with cutting and tearing and, and burning our bodies is somehow going to heal us. The healing comes from within. There's mm-hmm. only one source of healing. Even allopathy, most people don't understand this. When you take a pill, that pill does absolutely nothing. I don't care what the pill is you put in your body. It's your body's reaction to that pill. So if you have a good reaction, then they go, oh, this pill works for you. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, they go, well, let's try this one, you know, and then see how your body reacts. One thing about our own neurophysiology, our body never rejects it. Mm-hmm. So if we start meditating and we start building up acetylcholine in our system, which is one of the feel-good neurotransmitters, and remember, there's 54 of them, so I'm only mentioning a few of them. Mm. But if we don't have those, we can't process data. Mm. So in, in you can take supplements. You know, you can do you can take supplements for this. But let's say that you have one beautiful event with someone you really love and care for. You went out to dinner. You had a great night. When you're laying there in bed sleeping you had about $60,000 worth of neurotransmitters produced during that event. You couldn't buy that much. Mm. So our body knows what to do. And it's a, it, it has infinite resources. Nobody knows the limit or the capacity of our brain and body and our brain. Even though people think we think between our ears, there's actually three thinking brains. We have our heart, which is, uh, with, thanks to heart math and other people doing their research, we have 4,000 neutrino cells in our heart. We have more gray matter in our gut than we do between our ears. So, And people kind of reject those two different parts of our brain. But the reality is we have a circulating nervous system, which means every cell actually has an intelligence. Mm. And I love Bruce Lipton. He, he speaks a lot at Quantum University, where I'm one of the professors. And he talks about we live in a community of cells you know, and they all have to communicate and talk. And that communication happens on frequency. Mm -hmm. It's a frequency response. So uh, the more we can get in touch with these healing frequencies, the healthier our body is going to be, the more energy we're going to have. Then when we show up with our loved ones, our family, our friends, even people that don't like us, they're going to go, I don't know what it is about that person. There's something, there's some feeling or vibration. You know, they like people go, I don't get a good vibe about that person. Or they go, I get a good vibe about that person. Hmm. They're really talking about frequency because we, we can do that as, as individuals. We have that power, that, that consciousness, if, as it were. Is there um, a better time or a time that's going to get most um, benefit from like maybe in the morning or the evening to, to use yeah. these kind of things? Yes, there are. There are. Um, definitely. When we get up in the morning, we find that most people negate their morning activities. They think, I'm going to go get my coffee. I'm going to throw down some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I'm going to be on my way, you know, or whatever. And morning is so important because how you, if you win your morning, you're going to win your day. Mm-hmm. And what we found, even in the dementia study, we had to incorporate a 10-minute session in the morning because the if you go to sleep and you're not getting that proper sleep pattern, your brain is going to awaken dysregulated, which means the right and left hemisphere. When we find the dementia brain, what we find is that the left hemisphere typically is moving slower than the right. Hmm. That shouldn't happen in the awakened brain. Hmm. It should be the left should be a little bit faster than the right, you know, and so this is why they can't process information. So in the morning, when you do an alpha training, or an SMR training. Now we call this digital coffee, by the way, because what it does, it excites the system. 
that gets you going. Because in the morning, we want to get up and get moving. Now, every day at two o'clock, something happens to every person on earth. Now, it's two o'clock in your time zone because we are tuned to the light of the sun. It's not just Superman that gets its power from the sun. Every individual on earth, you know, gets their power from the sun. It's the most underprescribed nutrient on earth. So at two o'clock, our body drops in temperature two degrees. This is because every one of us has a genetic background that goes all the way back to the Serengeti. And what do all the animals do around two o'clock in the Serengeti? They take a nap because it's so darn hot. You can't, you know, you don't want to be out there running around. Well, even though we're not in the Serengeti, remember these bodies have not really changed. In fact, science will tell you they haven't changed at all for 200,000 years. So we have this biological system that says at two o'clock in the afternoon, we need to reboot. And part of that is because we're collecting energy all day. And as we collect that energy and use that energy, our nervous system gets tired. So it's normal for us to regulate. And this we can see in brainwave activity because we'll see high delta in the middle of the afternoon. Now, as Americans here, what we do is we go out and get coffee, tea and chocolates. And, you know, or if you're in England, like we were talking about earlier, you go have your tea time because you lost your energy. You know, they figured out, hey, I can stimulate it. Now, the problem with that is that's a biological stimulation. When you do a biological stimulation, it takes energy. It basically robs Peter to pay Paul. So eventually you're going to pay the piper. You're going to, if you do that too often, you're going to lose your adrenal glands. You know, you're going to have burnout and stress and things of that nature. Now, if you do it with your electrical system, which means you do a little meditation, you got your binaural beats on, your isochronic tones, whatever you're using, you're doing some breathing exercises. Now you're using the energy of the system and that's infinite. And so we have three regulatory systems. We have our sympathetic, our parasympathetic and our neurohormonal. Most people use their neurohormonal and then when they burn out, they have to go to the hospital and they have all these body problems. It's because they didn't regulate their body effectively. Now we need all three of those. So I'm not saying one is any, actually best would be if they, if they, your body was regulating them a third, a third, a third, you know, that would be perfect, but that's in a perfect world where no stress happens and things of that nature. But in the middle of the afternoon or right after work, after school, that is a perfect time to retrain the brain. And the nice thing is that we showed with a soccer team here, Kansas City Sport, which is one of our professional soccer teams. We did a study that showed uh, after their workout, if they did a, a brain tap session where they listen to these, these kind of tones and sounds, they actually could reclaim over 80% of the energy they had in the morning. So basically, it was giving them a new morning. And we, in the evidence shows that you get more work done in the morning than any other time of the day. So we have a lot of our entrepreneurs and things like that finding they put these in their offices for their staff because they have a brain break instead of a coffee break, which is a big difference. Coffee can stimulate and get you to work, but it's not going to sustain. Hmm. Now, the, the third time that we think are the best. Now, any time is better than no time. So I'm saying these, you know, so the, 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 the other time is right before bed. Because if in, we don't have enough time to go through what's really important about sleep hygiene. But the, the critical thing is that when you're going to bed, if you've not prepared your brain for sleep, and the best way to sleep is not to close your eyes and go brain dead. Like a lot of people go, I just, my head hits the pillow, I go to sleep, but in the middle of the night, my eyes pop open. That's because you didn't process your day. Night is a very important time. And this is a part of our brain uh, here The our brain takes all the information from the day and processes it through. So it takes it from short-term memory to long-term memory and then back and forth. So we process our day 
and we do an exercise. If you have that music playing, and we have a series of sessions called Delta, because that's the brainwave state you want during sleep. So you do a Delta training at that time. So in the morning, you use SMR alpha. In the middle of the day, you'll use theta. And in the evening, you're going to use Delta. If you do that, now you're getting brain fitness. Now your brain is getting exercised at the appropriate brain waves at the appropriate times. And the nice thing is that the brain learns that it can start, if you miss a day or, or something happens, your brain's going to remember that if you did it consistently and it's going to do it for you because that's the way the brain works. I mean, there's a lot of studies out there. Ivan Pavlov obviously proved it with his uh, ringing the bell and the dog salivating. So we know that it works. So when you start a habit like that, what will happen eventually is you'll want to do those things because you'll find out that your thinking is sharper. You have better control of your emotions. Uh, you know, you're able to get more done in less time and energy. So you mentioned about the, the different frequencies, the delta, the, the theta, and, and so on. So if someone is maybe studying or someone else is working, are there suggested frequencies that work better in the background for maybe at those times? Yeah, the SMR and alpha are best for when you're doing an activity. Now, if you're working out, <clears throat> you might want to use uh, the gamma training even. Uh, we have training in gamma because you want to have energy at that point. Right. And, um, Although gamma has also been associated with uh, higher states of consciousness, like in the studies with the Buddhist monks and that, those are the brainwave states they have. But what we find is that uh, those kind of those are exciting kind of brainwaves uh, that you'd use during the day. But we have a lot of the children that we work with uh, during the afternoon. They don't really feel like resting. They have a lot of energy. So we just have them listen to the binaural beats and do their studies and what we find is they stay more conscious and aware. They study for longer periods of time. They build their focus. And the nice thing is, remember, it's building uh, it's building the fitness of the brain. So then they're going to start to associate those brain waves with an open book. So eventually they'll just open the book and the brain will sink to that brain frequency. So they'll learn better and faster. You know, it's it's all it's just like exercise. If you build the muscles, you can use them wherever you want. You know, and the same thing's true with your mental muscles or your brain brain frequencies and for anyone who's listening who's maybe uh, not at school age they're in their 40s 50s 60s and they do they are studying what frequency would be best for them say to to use anything around 10 hertz frequency okay um 10 hertz frequency is the natural idol for the brain but because of stress we've kind of lost that in most people right so just think of alpha training at that time right uh now, alpha can be – now, SMR is part of alpha, so it's a little bit higher frequency. It's between – it's really between alpha and beta, which is the awake frequency. Hmm. A perfect brain state, they say, and we've, we've seen this over the years, is about 45% beta and about 30% alpha. If you can maintain that balance, then you're going to have great cognition. You're going to read something, retain it. You're going to store, categorize it, organize it in a way that – You'll be able to speak. And the other thing is that uh, when you practice, especially those people out there that might have a fear of public speaking, which they say is now the number one fear, uh, fear of death is no longer the one. Uh, if you practice your speech while you're in those brain states, because speaking only happens in alpha. So let's say that you're stressed out about your talk. The reason you can't communicate it is because the alpha frequency has been diminished. And so your access to that communication has been diminished. When you were talking before about using this at the same time as breathing, 
And one of the things that was going through my mind when you were explaining it is I know that when um, when you hum, you stimulate the production of nitric oxide, for example. So do you know, is there any connection with, with the binaural beats in that? Yes. Yeah. The other thing it does, it stimulates the vagus nerve. Right. They call this the wandering nerve. That's the nerve that creates parasympathetic action. Right. So just humming is very healthy. Mm. That's why chanting is so healthy and people doing those things. Mm. Uh, so if you can put the frequencies on and do even, even chanting your name, believe it or not, will, will raise your, uh, if you want to call it frequency or parasympathetic response. Uh, a lot of people, their nervous system is underperforming because of stress. Mm. We're, we live in a world of chronic underlying stress and people don't even know it. You know, it's like that movie where the guy says, the kid says, I see dead people and they don't know they're dead. I, you know, I walk around, I see, I see stressed out people and they don't think they're stressed, <laughs> you know, they, because they're medicating or they're doing their self soothing with uh, drugs and alcohol and things. They think that they're managing it. Hmm. The reality is that, that humming is one of the best things singing, just getting your vocal cords, but humming we found uh, is very strongly related any frequency is going to stimulate the vagus nerve. And they, they now know that, that they call it the wandering nerve because it, it basically uh, triggers uh, healing in the body when you do it and, and activates other neural systems. Mm. So what is the difference between BrainTap and all the other companies that are offering binaural boots? I think one of the main things is we started it all. Right. There's only one company, the Monroe Institute, that's been doing it longer than us, and they're coming on board with the BrainTap Network. So, uh, and I think that we've done, what we've done is we've actually done the research. Like a lot of people will talk about the research. We actually did the research. Right. We were the ones that have the research. I mean, if you go to braintapresearch.com, you'll see we have 11 universities concurrently doing research all the time. They're always changing it. Uh, we're very blessed to have universities that find the value, especially in their sports teams. They really, they really kind of push, you know, to improve their sports teams. But I think we don't just, a lot of people, you can make binaural beats. Anybody can do that. It's mm. very easy, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. Mm. We actually use equipment in the lab. We don't put anything out that isn't actually working in the way that we say it is. And, and I, in the early days, I owned a franchise company and we were able to see thousands of people every day. And so we knew out of, we had 108 locations. So we knew if something was working or not working because it was going to be immediate. I mean, when you're one guy sitting in a lab somewhere experimenting with five people, hmm. some of our studies were thousands of people. So we have one study that was published by NIH in 2020 where we took 100 people and we showed that we could downregulate their, uh, symp their sympathetic response by 39.8%. Now that study is up to 500 people because it, we continue to grow that study. Hmm. So all of those things and in, in what we're really trying to prove to people is that there are natural ways. Now, of course, this is being done electronically, but there are natural ways where you don't have to put something synthetic into your body to get your body healthy. And I think light, sound, and vibration is the medicine of the future because it was the medicine of the past. Mm. You know, the, the ancient traditions were using it. We're, we're fortunate nowadays that we can take anything done in ancient traditions and we can pretty much make it into a medical device that can get that response whenever you want. You don't have to worry about the tribal leaders or the medicine man to do it. You can basically, these, these little devices we have, make our world magic if we want to use it that way. They can also be very negative, right? So it's kind of like a gun. We can use it to protect ourselves and our family, or we can turn it on ourselves and, and create damage. So I think that 
I don't think anybody doing with the right intention is probably going to be great. You know, I, there's a lot of people out there doing some really great work. We're not the only people. Uh, we just make it easy. You know, that's the, the, the only thing. Your website mentions about the headset. So, and, and during the course of this interview, you've talked a few times about the light as well. So does the headset that you offer, is that, does that do light as well as sound or what, what is the yes. headset? What we've done, the same thing you do with sound, we've done with light. Now we transmit a noje frequency of light into the ears using red 633 nanometer light and 470 nanometer light to affect a change at the nervous system level. But the lights in the eyes are actually brain frequencies. So we take it between 18 hertz frequency all the way down to 3 hertz frequency, depending upon what we're trying to accomplish, and all the way up to 65 hertz frequency in the gamma trainings. And so just like the ear, just like what happens in the ears, we've offset light frequency in the eyes. So it's not ever the same pulsing light in both eyes. It's just off a little bit. And that just being off a little bit, our brain processes that, even though we don't consciously see it. Because like I was talking about our ears having 25,000 pieces of information, our eyes process about 2,000. Right. But we only we only act on about 40% of that information or 40 pieces of that information. Right. So all the rest of the information is still being processed, but it's being neglected or it's being put aside. What we're going to do is in the brain is always looking for unique stimulus and this activates that reticular activating system. So one way we can create a holographic environment, which means inside the brain, they create this virtual kind of reality is by using light sound vibration to create, to set up the terrain. And now if we present them with the right information, most of our sessions have some kind of guided imagery, but we have over 600 that are just frequency based. So you can do your own meditations, your own relaxations during that time. Well, we are, we are coming towards the end, Patrick. Is there, um, I mean, a question I ask everyone is, is there a book that has really resonated with you in, in your life? Yeah, when, when my dad, who was a Silva instructor, and we used a, a sound, they call it the Silva sound. It's a very bizarre sound. If anyone out there has ever done the Silva, you wouldn't think it would move your brain frequencies, but it does. But so my dad became very uh, positive about what he was doing. So when we got in trouble as kids, we didn't get sent to our room and, you know, to think about what we did. We were sent to our room with a book, with an assignment. And then we had to come out to my dad and say how we were going to use that information, right? And the book that he usually chose for me, because I was a very negative kid at first, it was called, uh, it was As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And I still carry that book with me everywhere. There's a small version of it in my, my backpack, because every once in a while, I just need to be reminded that you're thinking, what you're thinking about, you're bringing about. Right. And uh, when they talked about the heart back then, they talk about it, they're really talking about the brain, everybody thought the brain was, or the heart was up here because they were talking about the brain, but there really is that connection between the heart and the brain. And that book just changed my life. And I started to realize that, hey, my thinking does affect my mood, my interaction with other people. Hmm. And it's a powerful, easy book. So if somebody's out there that's never read any of these kind of books that talk about consciousness and awakening, although this one's kind of based on the Bible, you know, we were brought up Catholic, so we had a lot of, uh, I mean, you came to my house as a, when I was a kid, you'd even have holy water at the door. We were very uh, Catholic. Uh, not quite that way. You come to my house now, you're not going to see that. But that's the way it was back in the 60s and 70s. Right. How, how can people find out more about you and about BrainTap? Well, if they go to 
uh, on, online, if they do at Dr. Patrick Porter, at Dr. Patrick Porter, mm-hmm. they're going to see my all my things. That's I have a website that same way. But they can also go for um, for 99 cents. They can go download one of my books at uh, braintap.pro. So it's braintap.pro. And they'll also get 15 days free on the app. And if I'm not sure if you have an app, if you have a link that you can share with them as well, yeah. that one costs 99 cents. You might have a free app that they can they can use. Okay. And just before we finish, Patrick, is there um, is there a quotation you, you particularly like? Yeah, my favorite quote is: "You are far greater than you've been led to believe, and far more capable than you've been led to believe." And I think that what happened to me was I was a very negative kid that didn't realize my full potential. And of course, it took a while to, to magnify and, and come to fruition in my life. But I think if people start to understand and start breaking down those boundaries, it's going to be huge. So don't believe. In fact, you don't have the right to let other people tell you what to believe or how to believe. You know, just just know that nobody knows who you are, your capabilities, your capacity. Patrick, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. And I hope uh, I want to thank you for helping me. I have a, my big mission is to better a billion brains. And the more we get the word out there that and I do believe every brain can change and improve in a very positive way. And there's no better way that I know of than binaural beats and isochronic tones. So, uh, you know, and, and if they can't afford it, we do have a free model, too, by the way. So if people go there and do it, they can they can practice without it costing them anything. Well, I implore people who maybe don't know anything about binaural beats, give it a go because it's, um, it's, it's a powerful tool. Next week, episode 41 is with Sandra Scheinbaum. Sandra trains people to become functional medicine health coaches because she believes that growing the health coaching profession will be the solution to combating chronic disease, offering affordable access to functional and lifestyle medicine and reducing healthcare costs. She's a founder and CEO of the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, which is a collaboration with the Institute for Functional Medicine. She's a leader in the field of health coaching education, an educator and licensed clinical psychologist for over 35 years. And she was a pioneer in blending functional medicine principles with positive psychology and cognitive behavior therapy and mind-body medicine. And she's the author of Functional Medicine Coaching, Stop Panic Attacks in 10 Easy Steps, and How to Give Clients the Skills to Stop Panic Attacks. So that's next week's episode 41 with Sandra Scheinberg. If you know anyone who would uh, really appreciate some of the uh, wisdom that Patrick shared in today's episode, please do share the episode with them. If maybe anyone who's curious to know more about binaural beats, they might find it really useful. Hope you enjoyed this week's show and see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.